You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. fruit of this persecution, the word spread, people were saved, but there's a third. The church's faith was proved to be real, to be genuine. If you're never tested by tough times, how do you know your faith is real? How do you know your faith is real? The way we respond to difficulties really shows us what we're made of. Why in the world is this happening to me? How could this be the best thing for me? These are questions that anyone can ask when things get tough and the outcome is uncertain. No doubt even the disciples had these questions, even though they'd been warned that they would face persecution. Today, Pastor Danny's asking you to take courage and to show what you're made of by how you respond to difficult times and circumstances, especially when it comes to your faith and those who might be opposed to it. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he begins his message, Persecution Evangelism. chapter 8, the church uh, is growing numerically, uh, recorded for us in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up and preaches, and uh, they go from 120 to 3,120, and uh, that's pretty significant growth, especially uh, in just one day. And as they grow, there are growing pains. Uh, When you get to um, chapter 6, They try to solve some of the challenges of the growing pains. They choose seven men from the church uh, full of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit, and they are uh, taking care of some um, delegation needs and administration needs in terms of widows that were being neglected in daily food distribution. Uh, One of those uh, deacons uh, that was chosen to do that task was named Stephen, and Stephen... uh, He's a deacon, he's a servant in the church, but he's a preacher too. And I don't know if anybody knew he was a preacher, but he gives a message and it's recorded uh, in Acts chapter 7 and it's a blistering, blistering message. He basically gives the history of the Israelites uh, in summary and then he sums it up, uh, recorded for us at the end of chapter 7, verse 51 Uh, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And (laughs) nobody gets saved from that message. Matter of fact, the Jews and the Jewish leadership get so mad at him, Stephen, that they begin to pick up stones and they stone him to death. He's the first martyr of the early church. 
Well, one of the guys there is a key Jewish leader, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. His name is Saul. And Saul gives approval for the death of Stephen. And that's where we want to start. Chapter 8, actually the last verse of chapter 7, beginning of chapter 8, it says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, the day they stoned Stephen to death, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. I underline that in my Bible. That's important. Painful time. They mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. New King James Version says he began to wreak havoc in the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and he put them in prison. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered because of this persecution preached the word wherever they went. The foundation of the word they preached was the message about Jesus Christ. Everywhere they landed, they began to tell people about Jesus. And the church began to grow not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea, Samaria, and eventually the uttermost parts of the earth. In your reading, if you're reading with us through the book of Acts, you will note as you read along that the persecution and the difficult days for this early church continue. When you get to Acts chapter 12, Herod will begin to arrest Christians. He arrests and uh, kills James. And when he sees that it pleases the Jews, um, he arrests Peter also. Intending to kill Peter, God delivers Peter miraculously out of prison. But what you find is persecution and difficult days all the way through pretty much the book of Acts. Persecution. It was a difficult time for the church. Difficult days. Painful days. But what I want to talk about and what I feel led to talk about Difficult days provide divine opportunities. It did in this day, the book of Acts. It does in any day. Difficult days provide divine opportunities. I find it fascinating that in Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. First product, uh, first fruit, if you will, of the persecution here in the book of Acts, the Word. 
the gospel, the message about Jesus, it spread. I don't think anybody knew, had any idea that one of the ways that uh, God would fulfill this, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at the ends of the earth, was through difficult times. You might call this persecution evangelism. It wasn't evangelism because you heard a message on evangelism and you said, I need to go. It wasn't because of a mission conference you went to and thought, I got to go somewhere. God's calling me. No. It, it was because of difficult times, things they didn't see coming, uh, didn't anticipate, and they are scattered. Now, I have a question. Why did God use persecution to spread the gospel? Now, let's think here. This is Jerusalem. This is the early church. Uh, this is the, the home church, if you will. This is the mother church. When you think about it that way, these people, these Jewish people, they love Jerusalem. I mean, they love Jerusalem. This is the city where the Jewish temple was. Um, some people had dreamed about living in Jerusalem and moved from other places, and now, uh, now they're living there, but now they've put their faith in Jesus Christ. And to get them out of Jerusalem, well, that would take something for some of these people because they love Jerusalem. Be hard to leave willingly. They love this city, they love where they live. It's the city of the second coming. Bible prophesies for us uh, in several places that when Jesus comes again, and he's coming soon, he's coming to Jerusalem. He left physically, he's coming back physically, and he's coming, and, and it tells us he's going to plant his feet on the Mount of Olives, the same place he ascended from, he's coming back to. They're in Jerusalem. For lots of people, uh, they didn't move from somewhere else to Jerusalem, they grew up in Jerusalem. This is their hometown. This is where they were born. Uh, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, this is where your kids go to school. And this is your home. And you're going to leave willingly and leave grandma and grandma and leave the family and take the kids out of school, etc. be very difficult. Hang with me. Hang with me because there's a, there's a lot of reasons why God used persecution. Uh, the church family, I mean, this church family, you read in places like Acts 2.45, Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, uh, this church family was so giving. Uh, people selling things they didn't need, bringing the money to the leadership of the church, the church distributing to anybody as he had need. And, and for a period of time, this early church in Jerusalem, if you had a financial need, it was met. You talk about a benevolence ministry. They had the best. There was grace uh, on everybody there. There was love. I mean, it was a church to be a part of. You talk about a church family. And guess what else? It tells us that this early church in Jerusalem, there were miracles happening. I mean, extraordinary things happening. So many miracles and the kind of miracles where Peter would come by and if you, would, if you saw Peter coming by and you had a need and you were sick, you'd try to just get in Peter's shadow and you believe that just his shadow 
God would heal you. Amazing miracles happening. I'm going to give you a couple more. It's the Church of the Apostles. Galatians 2.9, Paul will tell us later on that Peter, James, and John would become the pillars of the church. They were the guys you wanted to be around. Those are the guys you wanted to hear teach. I mean, you got, you got the best teachers. You got the top leaders right there in the church in Jerusalem. It's the church of the apostles, the real one, the original. And then if God told these cultured Jews that he wanted them to go to places like Samaria, go to Samaria, really? Good Jews would go out of their way to walk around Samaria because Samaritans had intermarried with the Assyrians years before during the Assyrian captivity of Israel. And they had intermarried, and then when God brings the Jews back into the land and gives them control of the land once again, the purebred Jews who had not intermarried looked down on these Samaritans who had intermarried with the Assyrians. They'd have nothing to do with them. And so Samaria, you go out of your way to avoid Samaria. And so God said, I know one way. I know one way I'll get them out of Jerusalem. And he allowed for difficult times. He allowed persecution. He allowed one of the choice servants of the early church, Stephen, to die a martyr's death. And as a result of his death, persecution began to spread in the church in Jerusalem. What was my opening? Difficult days provide divine opportunities. It did then, it will now. I thought of some of the scriptures and the stories of the Bible, Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, God calls Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh. Nineveh, Assyrian territory, Assyrians, bitter enemies of the Jewish people, they had done terrible atrocities uh, to the Jews over the years. And God tells Jonah, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. And if you know the story of Jonah, one of the main reasons that Jonah did not go is because he knew God was a compassionate, loving, merciful God. And he thought, if I go and preach to them and they repent, God will forgive them. And Jonah didn't want God to forgive them. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't like the Ninevites. And so if you know the story, and there's a bit of humor in it, Jonah gets on a ship headed to Tarshish as far as he could get in that day uh, away from God and the call of God. He's on this ship headed for Tarshish. God sends a storm. These guys on the ship, they think, what in the world's going on? The gods must be angry. Jonah confesses, I'm your problem. You throw me overboard, storm will settle down. They didn't want to throw him overboard, but finally they have nothing else to do. They throw him overboard. 
And God has a big fish. We think he's a whale, but we don't know. And he swallows Jonah. And Jonah spends three days and three nights in the heart of this, the belly of this big fish. And the fish gets sick of him. Fish spits him up on the land. And finally, Jonah, after this experience, decides, I guess I'll go to Nineveh. <laughs> and he goes, but he goes reluctantly, but still he goes. And what he thought would happen did happen. God uses his preaching, and he preaches to the Ninevites, and the whole city, including the king, repent. They get saved. Difficult days provide divine opportunities, and there's all kinds of stories like that in the Bible. Let me throw the scripture at you. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, and he's talking about all the difficulties in his life as a Christian. The things that have happened to me have really served to advance the gospel. One of those specifically you find in Acts chapter 16. It's the story of Paul and Silas getting thrown into the inner dungeon. They're in Philippi. And at midnight after they've been beaten and they're singing praises to God. And the other prisoners are listening. And God is so pleased with their worship and their prayer that he shakes the foundation of the prison Chains of the prisoners fall off. Prison doors fly open. Prisoners, they think, are about to escape. And then Paul, Paul somehow has the kind of influence that the prisoners don't escape. Well, the Philippian jailer who's in charge, he's thinking, I'm going to die. They're going to execute me because all these prisoners are going to escape. And Paul says, don't hurt yourself because the guy's about to commit suicide, thinking he's going to be executed for his failure. Paul says, we're all here. And the guy asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, you came to the right prisoner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and your whole family will be saved. In the middle of the night, the Philippian jailer and his whole family not only get saved, put their faith in Jesus Christ, they get baptized. And the open door for this guy and his whole family coming to faith in Christ was Paul and Silas getting thrown into the inner dungeon. Difficult days provide divine opportunities. I like reading about it. I like teaching it, but it's not fun living it. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes, and he says, as you know, it was because of an illness. Wow, this is fascinating. An illness that I first preached the gospel to you. He doesn't tell us exactly what the illness is. It really doesn't matter. But some kind of physical illness brought Paul to the Galatians. He shares the gospel with them, and the Galatian church is born. I thought of Joseph and all the suffering he went through in the will of God. I thought of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go into the fiery furnace, Daniel, into the den of lions, all in the will of God, all for the purpose of the glory of God and the witness through their lives and through the difficulties they faced. Difficult days provide divine opportunities. Difficult days. Some have lost jobs. Some perplexed about what's happening. I'm talking about in the church. Not just in the world. 
in the church. Boy, this one verse, does it just sum it up or what? <laughs> As it is written, for your sake, God's sake, his purposes, we face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Fruit of persecution, the word spread. People were saved. One very notable person was saved. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. When you get to Acts chapter 26, Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul the Apostle, as a prisoner, stands before King Agrippa. And he basically gives this testimony of how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to him on the road to Damascus as he's going to Damascus to persecute more Christians. He says, I read chapter 26, verse 14, to Agrippa, Paul says, we all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. The goads were sharp objects to try to get an animal uh, that was stubborn to go the direction you wanted him to go. I'm convinced one of the things God used to goad Saul of Tarsus into really becoming a servant and a disciple of Jesus Christ was Stephen. If you read the whole story about Stephen... As he stood before the Supreme Court of his day, before they stoned him to death, they saw his face as it was the face of an angel. And as they're stoning him, the record is that before he died, he cried out in prayer, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Forgive them. Saul heard those words, and I believe one of the greatest goads that God used in Saul of Tarsus' life Stephen, and how Stephen dealt with difficult days, how Stephen dealt with tough times, how Stephen dealt with death. People were saved as a result of the difficulties that came to these early believers, this early church. I put in my notes, our response to persecution, difficult times, is critical because God wants to make us witnesses in our world. The fruit of this persecution, the word spread, people were saved, but there's a third. The church's faith was proved to be real, to be genuine. If you're never tested by tough times, how do you know your faith is real? How do you know your faith is real? The way we respond to difficulties really shows us what we're made of. Romans 8.28, that's that famous Christian passage, and it's a love-hate verse, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We know that all things work together for the good. All things don't work together good, but all things work together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose.
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this series called New Testament Highlights, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, the truth of God's Word shines brightly into a dark world. The New Testament highlights that Jesus' life and ministry was a shining light into the Roman-oppressed nation of Israel. In addition, the bright testimony of the apostles amidst opposition proved that there are always opportunities to be light in a dark world. Are you sinking into despair about the heaviness that surrounds you with the events and circumstances that seem to get worse? You might wonder if there's any end in sight. Well, keep your chin up and keep your eyes fixed on the promises of God. He'll never leave you, and that can be a shining beacon of hope. We trust that this teaching has given you a renewed sense of what to live for and what's to come, as you're reminded of other people who are great examples of living out their faith. If you'd like to hear this message again, you'll find it at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to stay up to date on the latest things happening and know when new videos are uploaded. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.